are Locked On Pelicans, your daily New Orleans Pelicans podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome to another edition of Locked On Pelicans, the daily podcast covering your favorite team, the New Orleans Pelicans and NBA as a whole, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day, available wherever you get your podcasts. I'm your host, Pelicans Insider, credential member of the media, Jake Madison, at Nola Jake on Twitter. Here with y'all on this Tuesday, Trade Target Tuesday is what we're going to start doing going forward as we pick a trade target that I think is a reasonable-ish enough get for New Orleans. Maybe some that aren't too, but we are going to do that, and we're going to look to the Chicago Bulls day with Larry Markinen. Why he'd be a good fit? What are the strengths and weaknesses? What might a trade look like? And I think that is the interesting thing there. Before we get to that, though, we're going to talk a little bit about something I mentioned yesterday that I would say, and I'll give you all a story about Darren Ehrman and his tenure here and how it relates to David Vanterpool too. And one of the reasons why I like Vanterpool potentially as a head coach option, even if he's not at the top of my list. Then in the third segment, we got we got to talk about Anthony Davis. We, we just do. He's having some success. He had the game when he shot the other night, which was pretty incredible. Uh, don't let your hatred... Of him, which is totally justified, and I understand, blind you to some things, and I'll explain what I mean coming up here in the third segment of today's edition of Locked On Pelicans. Don't forget to subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts here Monday through Friday for you all. No one else doing that, breaking down everything you want to know about the team solely dedicated to the Pelicans here, telling you behind-the-scenes stories that you've never heard before, that Buddy healed Jamal Murray workout story that no one's told before, and I've got another one here for you all as well. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So yesterday I talked about David Vanderpool, the Minnesota associate head coach, formerly with the Portland Trailblazers, about why he'd be a good fit for New Orleans. He's not hugely high on my list of coaching candidates, but I'd be fine with the hire. I don't make that very clear. Part of the reason why I liked him is the dude is just like a, a guy who grinds, right? A guy who didn't really get anything other than 22 games in the NBA, but played basketball for a number of years, won titles wherever he went all overseas, and just kind of grinded it out, started coaching in Russia before moving back stateside and working in the front office with the Oklahoma City Thunder, and then grinding it out as an assistant coach too. You kind of like a dude like that, a guy who's just going to always work hard and doesn't really take anything for granted and just like goes out and does it. I love that kind of attitude, that kind of like blue collar mentality kind of is probably what you would think about that and associate it with. And it feels like New Orleans hasn't hasn't had that at times. And to try to bring that attitude would be really important, I think. And this goes to a story that I've never told. It's not really a story necessarily, but it goes back to 2015 when Darren Ehrman was brought aboard. And Ehrman was a coach from 2015 to 2018, an assistant here, basically in charge of the defense after having done that in a couple of other places. And you know, he was supposed to come in and revolutionize the defense, and it didn't end up really happening. They were good for, like, stretches here and there, but nothing particularly amazing. His first season here, they finished 27th worst in the league in terms of defensive rating. The next season, 9th. Okay, you're in the top 10 there. That's good. Then 14th, then 23rd. That's not good. That's not building a culture and kind of establishing what you want. And I wonder, though, to tie this all back in together, let me explain. I wonder if the Pelicans assistant coaching staff had that kind of grindy mentality. So with Darren Ehrman, when he was brought aboard, again, bringing it all back together, I've kind of gone all over the place with this one. He 
has a good reputation as a coach, though he had some some negative stuff uh, with recording like Mark Jackson and all that that got him fired from the Golden State Warriors, with cause, by the way, that I wonder if he has that kind of work ethic. And maybe does that mean some of the assistant coaches as well haven't had that kind of work ethic? And this is not an accusation on anyone else. But Ehrman, when he first took over, wasn't in the building as much as he would have led people to believe. In fact, the story I've been told by others inside the organization is that he would leave film running on in his computer in his office at the facility on airline to make it seem like he was in there watching film late when actually he was at his like condo complex by the pool, not in the not in the building working nearly as much and doesn't seem to kind of have that grindy attitude that a guy like David Vanterpool possesses. So bringing in a guy like Vanterpool, I think would be a great thing, whether it's as a head coach and if he brings in assistants that are similar minded and you build a culture around that sort of thing, I think he can do. Or if you were to somehow get him as an assistant coach, if he doesn't become a head coach, not that that's even a hypothetical situation, I would love to kind of see that attitude. But there was a lot going on with the Pelicans and their organization not being run particularly well throughout the past number of years. And it stretches to like that. How is that allowed to occur inside that building? Did, you know, some people were clearly able to know that if I got told about it and others were told about this too, it was never really reported on, but it doesn't sound like Ehrman was making the impact as an assistant coach that you would have liked to have seen from him, at least in the beginning. I don't know if it changed a ton. Um, and maybe it did over the course of his tenure here, but to kind of fake being in the office, that's something that, you know, if you're an employer, you see that like, what the fuck, right? That was just regularly happening, at least in the beginning of his tenure there with the Pelicans and allowed to go on for a little bit. So it's kind of rough when you, when you look at Anthony Davis having success in some of the things he said kind of recently, we'll touch on it in the third segment, but there you go. There's your Ehrman story of. Him mostly hanging out by a pool, not actually doing work, and this allowed to go on. He was here for four years. That doesn't make me seem like that's a guy I want on my staff for four seasons. So to tie it all back in, as I've said like five or six times now, because the point kind of got away from me a little bit, was you've got to have that kind of grindy attitude, particularly with your assistant coaches. And the Pelicans need to look for that in their current assistants. So seeing some change, I think, on the coaching staff might not necessarily be a bad thing. And it was probably a good thing that they moved on from Ehrman this past season. So there you go. Some coaches have it. Some coaches don't. You want the ones that do. So we'll get into the trade target Tuesday part of the show next, looking at Lowry marketing. But before we do that, today's show is brought to you by rockauto.com. Chain stores have different price tiers for professional mechanics and do-it-yourselfers. RockAuto.com's prices are the same for everybody and are reliably low. RockAuto.com always offers the lowest prices rather than changing prices or charging prices based on what the market will bear like airlines do or whether you're a professional or not a professional. RockAuto.com is for everybody and does not require a membership or an account login. They're a family business that's been serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to RockAuto.com now to show Shop auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They literally have everything and their catalog is remarkably easy to use. It's just really unique in terms of just keeping it simple. Click on your make, click on your model, click on the year, and they're going to show you all the parts available for your car. You can choose the brands, specifications, and best of all prices, yes, prices that you prefer, because they're going to show you multiple different options. Chain stores, you're going to have to buy whatever they have. You're going to have to pay the price that they demand for it because you're stuck. 
rockauto.com, you've got options. So go to rockauto.com right now to see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in there. How did you hear about us, Bonk? So they know we sent you amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need, rockauto.com. Don't forget, subscribe to Locked On Pelicans wherever you get your podcasts from here Monday through Friday for y'all. You never want to miss an episode. Subscribe. You'll get the latest episode the second it's released. So subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. So Trade Target Tuesday. We're going to be doing this every single week now. And I also like love alliteration. So Trade Target Tuesday is perfect. So we talked about Victor Oladipo on Friday. That was the trade target for last week once I decided to start doing this. Today, we're not going to go as big as Victor Oladipo. But uh, Vic is definitely the number one guy for probably most teams out there who might be attainable depending on what the Indiana Pacers want to do, though I don't think they will move him. But a name that I've seen thrown out there before and I think makes a lot of sense is Lowry Markkanen of the Chicago Bulls. Third-year player last year, kind of fell into the Jim Boylan doghouse, whatever the hell that means. But they moved on from him. Do they now want to move on from Markkanen? And I think there could be some reason to do that, but I don't think it's going to necessarily be that easy. And it also really might depend on the head coach that they hire and if he's able to make an impression on Markkanen, or does Markkanen maybe try and force his way out? Markkanen out of Finland, played at Arizona, was drafted seventh overall back in 2017 through his first three seasons in the NBA. He's averaging 16 points per game, 7.6 rebounds. He's doing this on 43% shooting from the field from deep 36%. So a good enough three-point shooter. Basically, this is a big that won't break the bank right away who will get you some points and rebound enough and stretch the court. He is not amazing, particularly at anything, though he potentially has the ability to develop some elite skills even still. But he's a big that's going to stretch the court. He'll do enough rebounding for you that you'll feel good about it. And he'll score some points. And if you're looking for a big to pair next to Zion, that kind of fits the profile a little bit. Just a big who's going to play on the perimeter and he's going to shoot. He is an adequate enough defender. Some of his passes are pretty good. He doesn't have crazy creation volume numbers like Nikola Jokic, but he's able to make a number of different types of passes from up in the uh, low, or like down in the low post or up at the top of the perimeter that you'll be okay with the ball getting in his hands and it not just getting stuck there, but not amazing as a passer or a creator. And it's not going to kind of be that secondary third creator that the Pelicans are hoping for his off ball movements. Pretty good too. He does like to cut and run around this past season with the Chicago bulls. His numbers dipped a little bit after his sophomore season of almost 19 points per game and nine rebounds. He averaged 15 points per game and six boards because a lot of the time they were just sticking him on the perimeter to be a spot up threat or a catch and shoot guy. That's fine. You can use him like that, but it's better if you use him off ball, running him around the court to try and find shots and hunt for that open spot rather than being an outlet guy. So his numbers take a dip. And I wonder if that maybe hurts his trade value or helps it. If you're the Pelicans by lowering the price, but because of all the, the fact that he can work as an off ball guy, he's got pretty decent roll gravity, according to bball-index.com. And he doesn't mind running around and moving and trying to be uh, aggressive and trying to find those open spots inside the defense. Yeah, I kind of like that he could fit there. So the question, because defensively, by the way, I guess we should mention that. That's where he's going to struggle. He's not good on that side of the ball. He is too lanky. He is not 
um, nearly good enough defensively whatsoever. And he grades out very poorly uh, for the most part in one-on-one defense. He's, he can block some shots around the rim, but that's about it. He's not elite or even good in any spot on the defensive side of the ball. But he can do enough rebounding where he's an above average rebounder on that side. And I think that's good. Basically, he grades out in like the 70th and above percentile uh, in terms of defensive rebounding. Uh, B-Ball Dash Index gives him a B basically across the board there. I'm fine with that, right? That works. Uh, you don't need necessarily someone to be a lead if you're only going to play him some minutes with Zion Williamson or enough minutes like around the court. So I like him coming in for the offensive fit and for rebounding. And that's about what you're going to get out of him. How do you make a trade work? So Markinen going into next season isn't making the most money because he's on his rookie deal. It's going to be $6.7 million. Basically, you'd be looking at something like Nikhil Alexander-Walker and maybe Nicolo Melli and a first-round pick. It could probably be lottery protected, I'd be willing to bet. And maybe that gets a deal done. It's going to just depend on how highly the Bulls value him. He still shows a lot of potential. And I think that could mean they want to keep him or their asking price is going to be much. But if you're willing to give up Nikhil, basically you're trading one promising young guy for another promising young guy that's a little bit older, I think kind of fits the bill in all of that. Include a first, another first-round pick that's protected in some capacity, lottery protected. So you're not giving up a hugely valuable trade asset. And then you include Nicolo Melli to kind of make some of the numbers work. It also, Melli is kind of like a worse version of marketing or like what we want um, we, marketing is what we want Melly to develop into, I think. And Melly didn't really show a ton of promise on that in his one season here. Strip him out. It's mainly to make the salaries work. You're basically giving two first round picks to the Bulls for marketing and the ability for the Bulls not to have to pay him. Now the Pelicans will need to make a decision on him much in the same way they'll need to make a decision on Lonzo Ball, but at least it gives you some time to evaluate that. And then if you really like what you see with him, you can give him that contract. Same thing for Lonzo Ball too. And then you kind of see your core and what it's going to look like going forward. So I think it makes some sense to at least roll the dice. And also at that point, if you don't really like him all that much, you gave up some stuff, but it's not the end of the world with the bounty of picks that the Pelicans have going forward. So Larry Markinen, you know, I don't think is a bad guy to try and roll the dice on and a guy I think could fit with Zion Williamson. All right. So coming up, we got to talk about Anthony Davis and yeah, it's going to be a little weird, but we'll do it coming up here on Locked On Pelicans. All right. So let, let's talk about Anthony Davis here. Let's, let's about Anthony Davis and more about the Pelicans, but it kind of revolves around Anthony Davis. So if you watch the game two against the Denver Nuggets, he hit the game winning three when they were down one to win the game by two. It was a pretty insane shot uh, off an inbound play. It was bad defense by the Nuggets. Yes, but you still got to hit that shot. And he did. And they won. And it's a pretty, it's probably going to go up there as one of the better moments of his career, at least right now, I think. And If you watched him in the second half of that game, he was absolutely dominant on both sides of the ball. Anthony Davis is a top five player and a transcendent player. There is a bit of a star and an asterisk with it of it's when he wants to be. Because after the game, you saw Charles Barkley ask him basically like, AD, why aren't you this good all of the time? And he goes... Yeah, you know, I actually need to be, and LeBron calls me out on this and gets me to play my best every single time because sometimes I'm in my head too much and overthinking things instead of just going out and playing basketball. And when I just go out and play basketball, I'm this dominant. And he was. Like, he is so good defensively. He's become so good on that side of the ball. It took him a little while to get there, but he got there. 
offensively, he's incredible and he can only, you know, he's one of the few guys in the league that can kind of play the way that he does. He is a transcendent player. There's no doubt about that. And he really led that team to a comeback victory uh, at times in it when they were getting down by it. And so he's really, really good. It's tough to root for him if you're a Pelicans fan right now. And it's probably going to be tough to root for him all the time. And everyone wants to point out a lot of things. He's he's not the best player on the team. That's LeBron. He's not. You're not going to win a title with him as the best player on your team. It's all besides the point right now. It might be right, might be wrong. I We don't know yet. His career still has a lot left to be written. So I tweeted out, you know, yesterday, and I said I had dreams of some of the runs the Pelicans could have had with Anthony Davis had they not mismanaged most of his career here in New Orleans. Seven seasons, two playoff appearances, five playoff wins. Six playoff wins, I forget exactly what the number is. I think it's five. And one getting out of the first round once. That dude is so good, so good, that they could only and they could only make the playoffs twice with him. That is a disaster. There's a reason Dell Demps got fired. We all cheered, right? But the hate for Anthony Davis is so strong right now that I had people to that tweet being like, what are you talking about? They didn't mismanage his career. They didn't, they didn't, they didn't make bad moves and make bad signings and mismanage a lot of it. Look, two, two playoff seasons of Anthony Davis in seven years is bad. That's how good of a player he is and how good he was in New Orleans too. It's not like he took a massive leap in Los Angeles. He might've taken a slight one at times, but he's been this good for a very, very long time. And New Orleans did not get the most out of him. That comes from a number of angles here. And we, so, so what I'm trying to say is we should not rewrite history here and let our, anger at Anthony Davis. And look, he was a dick, an asshole on his way out of here. It was effective. It got him where he wanted to be one year earlier than he should have been there in theory. And he kind of trashed and torched the franchise on the way out. You have every right to be furious with Anthony Davis and hate him. I, as a fan of the team, as well as someone who covers it, dislike the dude for those reasons. I'm with you. I might not care as much as you all do, but that's okay. I'm not judging on that and you should feel exactly how you want to feel about it. Hate that motherfucker. I'm cool with it. But don't let your hatred for him blind you to the fact that New Orleans did a bunch of failings about him too. Don't forget that in the immediate aftermath of him making that trade request, it was like, yeah, this is kind of right. The franchise didn't do enough to put him in a position to win a bunch and to get in the playoffs consistently. Like That was the general consensus. Now, that bridge burned quickly and everyone did a 180 on that with the way he acted and the that's all folks shirt and all of that stuff. Again, fine. But don't let your hatred for Anthony Davis let you absolve the team of the mistakes that they made. I literally had someone on Twitter, and it's so, I'm not trying to make fun of people or blast people here. I'm really not trying to do that. Ask me, what was mismanaged about his time here? As if they couldn't remember the Omer Ashik trade and then signing him for almost $60 million, the Solomon Hill signing for $48 million, a Jintz the same summer as Omer Ashik for $20 million. We could go on and on and on about the number of mistakes and bad moves that Dell Demps made, but people hate Anthony Davis so much that you want to go and defend Dell Demps. Hate Anthony Davis, don't defend Dell Demps. I don't really like telling people what to do, but like, come on. This is something I've seen, uh, you know, in terms of fandom with a team, your identity gets so wrapped up in a franchise in something like that, a sports team here, let's say, or whatever it is, that you can't look at it objectively. And that's fine. Do, build your identity however you want to build your identity. 
But yeah, the Pelicans did not do a good job. Now, it's not just on Dell Demps. It's also on the coaching staff, too. Look, coaches got to motivate guys. LeBron's able to motivate Anthony Davis to be this kind of dominant guy. Motivation is not just a player coming up with it. It's on coaches. It's on teammates. It's on everyone in that organization trying to bring out the best of everybody. And they did not do that here with Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis's culpability in this, too. All of the injuries, injuries just to the team as a whole, which can't, frankly are like nobody's uh, problem other than maybe some of a medical staff trouble, uh, but that's been fixed. But sometimes injuries are a fluke thing, right? So it's not all on the team for for botching things with a, a, tra- uh, a, a, a generational talent, a transcendent type of player like Anthony Davis. And some of it's on him, the injuries, not fighting through some of that, kind of those games where he, he blends into the background and you don't see him as much. A lot of that's on him too. But overall, the failings here are not on Anthony Davis for his tenure here. And frankly, if they had fired Del Demps two seasons before they did, I don't think Anthony Davis would have ended up staying, but you would have had a greater chance and maybe not exactly, it might not have gone the way that it did at the end of his tenure, though I don't think he would have stayed. But making a move earlier probably should have happened because of those failings. So don't forget that. Don't always just blindly defend a team when they clearly do things wrong. And if you see an analyst that does that, that analyst probably isn't shooting you straight, which is what you want from us in this kind of role. There's a lot. There's some things to like about Dell Dumps. There's a lot to not like. Far more to not like from him, the rest of the front office. Ownership at the time was not at the same level of uh, commitment and committed to the team as they are now, too. That's a big part of it. So ownership doesn't get a pass on this either. All of that stuff. Don't just absolve the team of all of this. You can hate Anthony Davis. You can still be upset with the team for for botching his time here, too, which is truly what they did. Douglas was not a good GM. Some of the coaching around uh, Anthony Davis, not great, even with Monty Williams. So it's okay to hate AD, but don't just blindly love the team, too. I mean, that, that was ridiculous. I couldn't believe some of my mentions with it the other day. So... There you go. Anthony Davis is going to end up probably making the uh, NBA finals and is going to look justified in all of like the, the dirty tricks he did, which is then a whole other discussion to have of do other people follow that sort of thing. But that's maybe a discussion for another day. All right. That's going to do it for this edition of Locked On Pelicans. Thank you all very much for listening. There you go. Trade Target Tuesday. Larry Markinen. Also go back and listen to the Victor Oladipo one if you haven't. That was from last Friday because I do think it's realistic. If you make the right kind of run at him, I think you could get the type of player that would plug a lot of holes here in New Orleans. We also talked about Darren Ehrman and his not working, which is kind of interesting and why getting a guy like Vanderpool, I think actually would make a lot of sense because he probably is going to bring in assistants that have that side of uh, style of like grindiness to the him uh, to them. I can't speak now all of a sudden, which makes a lot of sense. And you kind of want that here in New Orleans. So that'd be very cool to have as well. So there you go. That's going to do it. Thank you all for listening. As always, I'm your host, Jake Madison at Nola Jake on Twitter. And I'll be back with you all tomorrow.